Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode number 23, season two. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Dave McCarthy from NHL.com and Sirius XM NHL Network Radio will be by. The Leafs coming off a big win on Tuesday night at home to the Dallas Stars. The rookie goaltender Shalgren gets a shutout in his first ever NHL start. And the Leafs without Austin Matthews look pretty darn good. We'll get into that very shortly. But first, Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill. It's good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It is that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your area, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings will give all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here is the call to action, ladies and gentlemen, and it goes just like this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. The promo code is THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. Without Austin Matthews, some shuffling up front that really paid off. Tavares centering Marner and Bunting was very good. Kerfoot looked pretty good between Nylander and Robertson. And on the blue line, Riley Labushkin is a new pairing that was born on Sunday afternoon in the outdoor game against Buffalo, and it looked pretty darn good. Shulgren, the young goaltender, very steady, earned his shutout with flying colors, of course, and the number one star of the game, and plenty to talk about here. Where does this go? Don't know what that means for the trade deadline as it is now just days away, but I do know some solutions are showing up, and it'll be interesting to see what effect that has when the deadline passes next Monday. Here is our conversation with Dave McCarthy from NHL.com and SiriusXM NHL Network Radio. Okay, Dave, looking back on the Tuesday night win, 4 nothing over the Dallas Stars, what can you take out of that? Well, I can take out of the fact that, one, they had a guy between the pipes that stopped the puck every now and again. So that really helped. 
Um, and I also took away the fact that they played a lot better in front of the goalie. Uh, Ross Sandin said after the game that he thought they were dialed in a little bit more, played a little bit harder, uh, really put forward a concentrated effort to make sure that they didn't leave Eric Shawgren out to dry making his first NHL start, and I thought by and large they did that. Now, um, how much of it was the Leafs and how much of it was Dallas playing poorly? Uh, because their coach, Rick Bonus was, I mean, he was beside himself after the game with, with what he saw, saying the puck management was brutal all over the ice, sort of pucks in skates all night long, they look slow because of it, and I, I agree with that. Uh, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, Jason Robertson, Faxa, Hintz, like all of their top guys, Pavelski, they barely noticed they were even on the ice. So I think it was maybe a bit of a combination of both. Dallas just did not have a very good game, and for them, a little concerning given where they are right now in the playoff picture coming off the, the loss to the Rangers on Saturday where they let that one go, uh, where they were up in the game. But, but also credit to the Leafs because they did play they did play a lot better than we've seen them play um, in recent times. Like, consider this. Six consecutive games coming into that game uh, on, on uh, Tuesday night against Dallas, the Leafs had allowed uh, four more goals. I mean, you can't win like that, right? There's no chance you can win like that. So it, it was encouraging to see, but I guess it just adds, I don't know about you, Jim, to my confusion as to it's its kind of a, a situation where every game you go into, you really never quite know which team is, is going to show up because here you were against a team that theoretically is desperate, season on the line, trying to get into the playoffs, good team, and the Leafs look far and away the better team. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, sometimes you forget the other side of the story. Dallas was slow. There's no question about that. But that may be part and parcel of what the Leafs were not allowing them to do. This was an example of the low-event Leafs, the team that we saw prior to Christmas and we haven't seen since. And, and again, like you don't, want, you don't want to get overly aggressive with your assessment, positively or negatively. You know what they're capable of. You just don't see yeah. it from time to time. And, and that creates a lot of confusion. The goaltending thing is almost a mirage or a distraction because at times it's been so bad, uh, you, you know, you don't know where exactly to – it just looks bad and, and it causes a big sag in the team. So to have Shulgren come in and, and play very well, to have the team in front of him play very well, restores a lot of confidence, doesn't it? Well, a couple things. Firstly, Sheldon Keefe said we really stressed to, to the guys on Tuesday to play with level of patience and don't, don't, uh, don't try to force things where they're not there. And, and I, I agree with that. I saw a lot of that. They didn't get a shot till, uh whenever Rasmus Sandin scored the, the first goal there. What was that, seven and a half, eight minutes into the first period? So they weren't pushing it when it wasn't there to be taken. Dallas a team that doesn't give you a lot defensively, so they capitalize on you making a mistake. Well, the Leafs didn't make many mistakes because they, they made sure they were conservative in that way, and I thought that was a really good game plan. So um, I, I would like to see the Leafs play with a little bit more patience like that, where uh, we talked about it so many times this year, you and I, Jim, and even last off season, where like, you don't need to, to win the game 6-4, win the game 3-1. Uh, you know, or you know, four nothing in last night's case, three nothing without an empty net goal. You can win that way too. You're allowed to win that way, and I think that's a much more sustainable way of winning games when you're not out there riverboat gambling the whole night. So I like the patience 
uh, that they showed. But you are right. The goaltending really does, um, I, I think, throw you know, throw paint on what was already a nice picture in a lot of games where, uh, look, if, if Peter Morazic doesn't let that third goal in from the corner early in the third period against Buffalo in the Heritage Classic, you know, we're talking very differently on Monday leading into Tuesday's games. I thought by and large, Leafs didn't play too bad in that game, but then certainly through the first two periods, then suddenly, the goalie lets a goal in from the corner, short side, where you just can't let that in, and then suddenly the game goes to you know wherever it goes, um, and and the narrative gets changed. You have a goalie that stops the puck in that game, and I think you're talking much differently about the result of that outdoor classic. That oh look, you know they they were pretty sound defensively through the first two periods, you know, and then even if they they lost that game late on a, a legit goal or whatever. You're still thinking, okay, you know, they gave up a goal, but it was a good play the other team made. You know, but there was stuff to build on there. But you don't talk that way because the goaltending was, you know, you, you feel harsh, but, like, I'm sorry, it was woefully inadequate in that game. Well, it, it was, uh, but, you know, I think there were a lot of other things that were woefully inadequate, like how they played in the zone. I'm, I'm talking about yep. the sample size since January 1st. How they played as a five-man unit in front of the goaltender has not resembled in any way, shape, or form how they looked before Christmas. So so last night, Tuesday night, was sort of a return to that form, and it was good to see. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it was expected. You take Austin Matthews out of your lineup on a two-game suspension. You put a rookie goaltender in there, and if you don't respond the way they did in that game, you've got a big problem. This, this sort of restores confidence. Well, it does. Uh, there's a lot of things that set up for the Leafs to have one of those games where it just wasn't their night, where they weren't in it. Rookie goalie, no Matthews, as you said. Um, you know, that's against a team desperate for their playoff lives. That's a game where you can be like, well, you know, if they had lost 5-1, well, what did you, what did you expect? But they, they, they dug in, and they came out with an effort. And, and as Sheldon suggests after the game, like, this, this is what we can play like. We've seen it, obviously, last night seen it for you know a couple of months in November and December there so it's not like you're you're asking for something that they can't do it's just it it doesn't get shown very often and and for much of January February and 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 half of March here you wonder why that is and that I think is the most confusing part of this Toronto Maple Leafs team especially when they were playing teams well below them in the standings where you think okay well they can they can just uh, they can come out here and, and and really exact their will on the game, and 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 have it go their way. But like I don't know if it's if it's human nature that they still really deal with on this team where you play a team like Seattle or Buffalo twice or Montreal or or whatever, and, and do they really think oh we can just throw our sticks there on the ice and we'll win this game for fun? And then when they play a good team like like Dallas, oh we gotta we got to show up, and then that's why they play better? I mean, is it as simple as that? I don't know. That's really the most confusing thing, but it, it does lead you to start to, to wonder like that. Um, one, one other change that I really liked, and I don't think this guy's getting enough credit, Jim, is that uh, Ilya Labushkin, I think, has played fairly well uh, since coming over, uh, so well that they elevated him in the lineup to play with Morgan Riley uh, on Tuesday against Dallas. I thought he was really good. He was physical. Uh, he, he leveled Jason Robertson with a uh, with a real good hit. I said uh, Labushkin lowered Labushkin 
on <laughs> on Robertson. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't use that too many times if I were you. Yeah, show me to the doors. It's pretty bad. But. Well, well um, listen, listen, to your point, um, you know, th- that Labushkin elevation to Riley, I mean, that's got that's a perfect combo. I'm not saying that Labushkin stays there, but, but the defense has been clarified quite significantly with that move and Brody Hall. And so all of a sudden, you've got a top four that's much different than you would have expected, but it looks pretty, it looks pretty effective the way it's set up right now. The way it did last night, it did. You know, uh, Timothy Lilligren has struggled playing up the lineup. And and that's not me saying it. That's not my opinion. That's what the coach said before the game Tuesday. Uh, Sheldon Keith said it, what we did not like what we saw. It was not working. We had to make a change. So, you know, I, they, they gave Timothy Lilligren a shot up, up the lineup with Morgan Riley because I think they wanted to have a look and see what they had and see if he could handle those minutes. Uh, answer, no, he, he cannot at this point in his career. So, you know, better you find that out now than in the playoffs. Um, so what it does suggest to me is it underscores what I've been saying for quite some time now is that the Leafs need to go out and get a top four defenseman. Like it, it really is, to use your term, non-negotiable if they want to win in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, as, as, as you know, nice as Ilya Labushkin played yesterday, uh, good, but I, I think he he, suit, he suited more to be a you know a three four or a five six guy, not necessarily a guy that's playing top line minutes all the time. Um, the fact that he showed he could handle himself in that role is good, but I don't think you want him playing in that role all of the time. So if they could get a if they could go out and get a a top four defenseman. I mean, man, Colorado, Josh Manson. They, they, I don't know much about this Hellison kid, I'll be honest, but they didn't give up seemingly a whole lot for a guy that's uh, a really nice player and really would look good on that Toronto team. Um, but, but a guy like that, so you can put him in, you can have uh, you can have Riley, you know, guy X, um, uh, or say even Riley Brody, Muzzin, guy X, um, and, and Labushkin, and, um, you know, Rasmus Sandin, let's say. Uh, then, then I think you're looking at a blue line that looks like a real, a real blue line. So I, I think that it just goes to underscore how important that is for Kyle to try to get that done uh, before the trade deadline on Monday. Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I mean, to me, what it tells me is is that Labushkin can play up in, in uh, short notice if need be. Uh, the Muzzin status is is always going to be questionable just because he's had two concussions in a month and, and everybody expects him to, to to be able to plug in and, and play the way he did before. And, and that that's you know that's a negotiable situation for me. So if you, had a, if you had a top four in there and there's another problem, Labushkin can step up. But we we also discovered the Leafs have depth and goaltending, uh, which is great long-term. I don't know what they do to rehab or, or get Morazic back with, with confidence, and I don't know, you know, Jack Campbell had some of the same problem for different reasons before, so I don't know how they get both those guys going in the same direction, but at least, you know, going forward, there's at least two options on the farm team that, that can be elevated at some point. So, so that's a plus for the organization. What it solves now is, is still up in the air, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as good as as Shogren played last night, as Sheldon said, let's let's let the paint dry on this one just just for a few hours here before we all get carried away. He was good, and and I liked what I saw against Arizona as well. Um, so that was encouraging. 
but I think it's really going to be important because I'm I'm not convinced they're going to go out and get a goalie. I just I don't know if there really is a guy out there that represents a huge upgrade. I mean, there's some guys you go out and I think make a lateral move with, like a an Anton Forsberg maybe in Ottawa or a, you know maybe even a Craig Anderson in Buffalo. But do you really look at those guys as you know can't miss goalies that can carry you through to a Stanley Cup and and have you go into a playoff series against an Andre Vasilevsky and think, yeah, we're we're kind of punching on the same level. And no, I, I don't think so. So I don't think you're really going to win that battle at all. I think the, the the more important thing is to have Jack Campbell rediscover his play because I think we've seen enough from Jack over a long enough period of time where we have an idea of what he can be. And I think if the team can, can get – it's funny, eh, how, how Jack's um, – slide kind of occurred when the team defensively uh, went on a slide as well, right? So if yeah. if if they, if they could get back into uh, you know more of what we saw on Tuesday against Dallas with Jack and Annette, I think that would go a long way. Because again, Shogun was really good, but he he didn't have to make I don't think a ton of A1 saves where it was like desperation mode. He just he had to make the saves he had to make. And there's a difference there. So I think it's basically a little bit of uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg type of situation, the goaltending or, or better defensive play. But, you know, I, I think if Jack Campbell can get back to, to the level that we've uh, we've grown accustomed to seeing from him, um, I think you can be okay with that as long as, as the team in front of the goalie, whomever that might be, uh, looks a lot more like the team that we saw on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, we're talking uh, in positive terms about Labushkin and, and Shelgren. The best answer is is that Shelgren is not relied on to lead this team, but Jack Campbell rediscovers his form, and he's that guy. And the best uh, answer up front is, or on the blue line, is that Labushkin uh, now plays in the five-six tandem with the ability to move up. But you've acquired a top-four defenseman to plug the hole that exists right now. And moving forward, getting back to projecting this team into the playoffs, those are the best answers as opposed to hoping somebody rises to the occasion, right? Well, I think, yeah. I mean, there's there's still a little bit of hope involved here because as you referenced about Jake Musson a, a few minutes ago, and I'm with you, it's not just plug a guy in a lineup and you're off and running again. Um, the good thing is he's been skating, uh, so he's nearing return. He's, he's feeling good from what I'm hearing. But once he gets back in the lineup, the Jake Musson that we've we've seen most of this year hasn't been the Jake Muzzin we've saw we've seen for the last number of years. He needs to start playing a little bit better too. So you hope that he's able to get his game uh, back to a level. But if they can go out and acquire him uh, a quality pair, uh, a quality partner, that could help him because for much of the season he's been playing with Justin Hall, who had not been playing very well early in the season. I think that worked against uh, against Jake Muzzin. So that's. It's a little bit of hope as well, but I, I do have a level of confidence that they, if they can give him a partner that's reliable, um, I think Jake's uh, a player that when his role is defined and he knows what he has to do on the ice and he knows what his partner is going to do, he can really excel in a role like that. But when he's playing with a guy where there, there is not that reliability and he's all over the ice and you don't know where, where you have to be, to take care of your own work, let alone um, taking care of, of the uh, the mistakes that he might make. 
I think that's where Jake runs into a little bit of trouble because I don't think he has, you know, that level of foot speed at this point in his career to get around the ice uh, that much. He needs to be efficient in his movements, and when it's predictable, I think that's when he can be really good. I would agree with that. I'm just going to add this. It's not a, a slam at anybody. It's an observation. Brody Hallberry looks pretty good, doesn't it? Well, it has. It has, um, which is also another encouraging sign. So it, it gives you um, a little flexibility, right? Like if you want to put, if you can get a, a top four guy and you want to try him with Morgan Riley, um, you know, then then maybe there's that option or. You know, if if you want to try to lengthen your your D a little bit, you know, you can you can get the the guy you you acquire. It, again, we're we're assuming here, and and I don't know, hoping that they do get that. Um, you can put them maybe on a on a separate pairing, kind of like Tampa Bay, where they've got uh, kind of a kingpin on on each pairing with Hedman and McDonough and Sergachev. You know, on a lot of teams, uh, all three of those guys would be would be top line uh, D men but they've got them spread out so that really no matter who they put on the ice, you're dealing with a, 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 like a legit defenseman on either pairing. So maybe the Leafs could go that road. They want to keep a Labushkin with a Riley if they feel there's a good match there and then adjust those minutes accordingly. So, you know, it's amazing how one game can kind of change the narrative and some improved performances on, uh, on a few parts over a shorter period of time can change the narrative. But but that's what it does. So um, definitely encouraging to see based on uh, sort of where the uh, the story arc was coming into the game on on Tuesday. And you know without Matthews, some reconfiguring of the forward lines. Tavares, Marner, and Bunting look good. Um, and I thought McCabe and Camp together may have had their best game. I had the event summary out for those guys. And in terms of Shots on goal, they had 12, 8 for Mikheyev, and 4 for Camp. Another 4 combined that were either blocked or missed. When you get that kind of uh, artillery from a third-line combo, that's nothing short of phenomenal. Well, I'll ask you a question. Do you know which center had the most ice time among Maple Leafs last night? Well, I could look that up. I have the event summary right in front of me. But, I, but I'm going to yeah. say, I'm gonna say uh, Camp? Yeah. It was camp, if you can believe it. Not necessarily Tavares, as you might have expected. And yeah. that shows you how how uh, how impressive. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just in a parking lot here, and I'm parked, and somebody was backing out, and someone was coming, and that guy wasn't stopping, so I, I just helped to uh, save an accident there. Um, but, Joe, <laughs> I'm a nice guy, Jim. Uh, yeah. That shows you uh, uh, what uh, Sheldon thought of that Camp McKayev angle line. Uh, he was deploying them. Uh, against Dallas's top line, and he was using them um, free from free from reservation, and they really rewarded him, uh, not just in terms of keeping Dallas off the ice uh, or uh, off the score sheet, I should say, but but also generating as well. Like I can count three times just off the top of my head where I can remember Bakayev driving to the net wide, um, which was really encouraging to see. Like he was using his speed, uh, which is his primary asset, to his advantage. Uh, and getting to the net, he didn't. He didn't score um, apart from into an empty net. Uh, but but just that that level of commitment to get to the to get to the net um, is is really encouraging to see. Like that's what makes Ilya Mikheyev 
a lot to handle when he drops a shoulder and decides, I'm getting to the net whether you like it or not. Uh, he can either score, he create chaos in front, or rebound, all of that. Um, that's good to see. And, and Sheldon's been talking about that line for, for a little while now, like well over a week. Um, and I agree with him. I think that line's been really, really strong and has, I think, helped to, um, help to pick up some of the slack Okay, Dave, so final thought, moving towards the trade deadline, which happens on Monday. What do you think the Leafs do here? Well, you know, I I think, as we've discussed, they really have no choice but to get a defenseman. If they don't do that, I don't think they're going to have a chance, really. Because what we've seen is is Timothy Lilligren is not a a nationally caliber top four defenseman at this point in his career. So you can't rely on him for that. Um, and at this at this point, I'm not sure you can rely on rely on him in in your bottom pairing as well. Like I, I think Ilya Labushkin is a guy that that you know in a perfect world, the way I'd set up the lineup, if, if they were able to go out and get a a Ben Sherrod or you know even a Jacob Chikrin, that would cost a little bit more. But that type of a player, the way I would set up the lineup is I'd have Labushkin on my bottom pair with uh, with with Rasmus Sandin, and I'd have Travis Dermott is my seven guy. Um, but I think that Sandy and Labushkin pair could be effective. And then it leaves you with a top four of, of Riley, um, Brody, Muzzin, if you can get your back in the lineup, which I think he will uh, well in advance of the playoffs and, a, and another guy that you bring in. And then suddenly I think that's a blue line that well, it still wouldn't be necessary. I still wouldn't put it above Tampa Bay's if they end up, uh, if they end up facing Tampa Bay in a playoffs in a series but it certainly gives me a lot more confidence in the group they have right now. So I think that's it's it's absolutely incumbent on Kyle to find a way to get that done. He said they're in win-now mode. Um, I agree with him. They should think that way. But if they don't go out and make a move for a defenseman, um, then you're you're between two ferns, so to speak. You're, you're not one place, but you're not in another because you're not winning with the group that you have. Um, so that, that's, that's what I see them doing. Um, and, uh, I think if they don't, I don't see them having a chance to be honest with you, not just to go on a, on a run, but literally to win around. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that no matter how you attempt to move forward, the 3-4 pairing on the blue line might be an issue, and that would in, would include Muzzin, or that, I guess the best way to say it is with or without Muzzin, that, that second pairing might be a problem in a playoff series. It's hard to know at this point because we don't know exactly what they're dealing with. So let's go to the forward unit because I think this is a, this is almost even more intriguing because, you know, what would they add? What would they subtract? What would they add to that forward unit? What do you think? I don't, I mean, as Kyle said, they've, they might just have one move in them. And I, and I think really that's, that's what it stands right now as I don't see them having the type of capital, unless they want to move a guy like Nick Robertson. Um, I don't see them having the type of capital to, to make a move on the blue line for a, a tangible piece and, uh, and a forward. I just I don't see that happening, and I I don't I know they're in win now mode, but I'm not sure you want to give up a guy like Nick Robertson because you're going to need him, um, if not this year, then uh, then then as soon as next year based on his contract and, and the salary that he'll play at. So I'm not so worried about the forwards, really. I'm not like the the Bunting Matthews Marner line, no problems there right now. 
Um, Engvall, Mikheyev, uh, Kampf, we just talked about that line. I've liked what I've seen out of them for a long, long time now. Uh, I think Simmons, Spezza, um, Clifford, some combination of, of those players uh, should be should be fine on the fourth line. And I like I'm sorry, I'm just I'm having a hard time getting my mind around the fact that people are telling me that John Tavares, who makes eleven, and William Nylander, who makes seven, need Kyle Dubas to go out and get them a winger in order to be good. Like, I mean, I'm sorry if if that's the case, then I think you got bigger problems. So I think. Right now, it's on John and William to elevate their play uh, back to to what we saw earlier on in the season. And you know what? Maybe this this uh, couple games where Matthews has been unavailable here will be a nice little boost for John Tavares and his confidence. I thought he was really good against Dallas. He was productive. He got on the score sheet, uh, got an assist. So it's nice when you're a scorer and you see a you know a two beside your name in the point column. It can go to your legs a little bit. Um, I, I thought he played quite well, so maybe this this week is something that'll help get him going again. Um, and then those guys have got to go to work. They're good enough players to drive a line on the on their own. And I think Kerfoot has been um, pretty good for most of this year, uh, fitting in largely on that line. So I don't really see that as an area of need. I would I would address other areas of this team long before I think about going out and getting a forward. Dave McCarthy, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right. Thank you, Mike Ross. Time now for Lickety Split. Yes, guy, no guy. Eric Schalgren is the answer and goal for the Leafs. I got to go with a no guy here. This is a great prospect, and it may turn out that I'm wrong, but the answer for the Leafs is solid defensive play, and it doesn't matter who's in goal as long as they play efficient. And I think Schalgren showed that with a shutout performance last night. Not stupendous, but very good. Very efficient. Is he the answer? There is not one answer to this question. There's a lot of answers, so I wouldn't pin it on one guy. That's why I'm saying no guy here. Riley Labushkin looks good. Yes, guy. That's a nice tandem. Allows Riley to do what he can do. Labushkin is a physical force out there and really a nice combination. So I'm going to go with a yes guy there. Yes, guy, no guy, number three. You love the combination of McKayev and Kampf on the third line. An emphatic yes guy. Are you kidding me? In the game on Tuesday night, they had 12 shots on goal combined. Another four others that were either missed or blocked. So that's 16 attempts from two guys on the third line. That is a hard yes guy. Brody Hall looks good. Yes, it does. So there's your second pairing. And all of a sudden, we had that problem with the second pairing not looking good and, and maybe slowing things down on the lease. But the way they have reconstructed this now with Riley Dabushkin, Brody Hall, and Sandina Lilligren, or Sandina Dermott, or you know, whoever is on the back, five, six is okay. This starts to look good. Is it ready for the playoffs? No, no guy. But, but yes guy, Brody Hall looks good. Coaching deserves a nod. Oh, yes, guy. There was a great play that my buddy Frank Corrado pointed out in the game last night, Tuesday night, and that was after the TV timeout. He had Tavares and Marner, and instead of bunting, had Nylander out there, and instead of the top-pairing defense, he had Sandine and Lilligren out there. You know, they won the faceoff. Then there was an icing, and there was a time there where he could have put it back to normal, but he did not, and the bottom line was it resulted in a goal and that was a really key play. That was a coaching decision, so yes, a nod to the coaching staff. So that's a yes guy is what I'm trying to say. Well, thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed Episode 23 of Leafs Guy. I hope you come back next week for Episode 24. (laughs) 